The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Ecclesiastes chapter number 1. I want to ask those who uh, are in the praise team and praise band, please don't sit uh, too far away at the end of the service. I think we're, uh, we're going to scratch the invitation song that we were going to do. We're going to sing Blessed Assurance again. Wasn't that good, church? Amen. And I just bless my heart. Just y'all, y'all all come on back up here, and we're going to play that at the end and sing together. And uh, what, what a wonderful... I love it when... It was a, y'all ever watch the A-Team back in the day? Love it when a plan comes together? I love it when God puts a plan together. Amen? Man, oh, Jamie putting the... I mean, you, you must have been praying this week, as if you don't pray every week, but put those songs together. Praise God. That's good stuff. You know what the sermon's on today? You know what the text is on? Apathy. Apathy. So I'm just going to preach to you about uh, apathy and how not to have that. And, and uh, you know, I just seem like we're just singing. Y'all sing good. Wonderful singing today. It'll be a blessing when we get to heaven. The whole host, all the world that's been redeemed will sing together in glory. Amen? And uh, sometimes in our life as Christians, we've got to shake off the world, shake off the dust and the apathy. And serve the risen Savior, no matter what's going on in your life, whether it's good days, bad days, up, down, in, or out. Sometimes you just have to shake it off and love Jesus and walk with Him. Amen? And uh, you guys singing good today. Put all of your heart into that. And that was a way to capstone that uh, by singing Blessed Assurance. And i um, not sure about chasing down all that rabbit trail, but anyway, Ecclesiastes 1. Let me read these verses. We'll pray and... I'll preach to you for a few minutes. Chapter number 1, verse number 4 through 18. Now you follow along. You stay with me as I read these verses. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also the sun rises and the sun sets. Hastening to its place, it rises there again. Blowing toward the south and then turning up toward the north, the wind continues swirling along and on its circular course the wind returns. And all the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome, man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one might say, see, this is new? Already it has existed for ages which were before us. There is no remembrance of earlier things and also all of the later things which will occur. There will be for them no remembrance among those who will come later still. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I set my mind to seek and explore by wisdom concerning all that has been done under heaven. It is a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with. I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving or chasing after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, Behold, I have magnified and increased wisdom more than all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my mind has observed a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly, and I realized that this also is striving or chasing or grabbing after wind. 
Because of much wisdom, there is much grief and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. Let's pray. Our Father, we do come to You now. Thank You. We want to thank You again for the privilege to gather as You're called out assembly, the, the church to worship. We thank You for our brothers and sisters all around the world that have been and will continue to worship You all day long. And I pray that Your people would be encouraged and convicted where they need to be and that those that are lost today would find new life in Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that the specific text today would deal uh, with an apathetic spirit that we are all prone at times, whether unbeliever or believer, to have raise up and crop up in our hearts. Please destroy that idol of apathy. Please cause us to burn hot with passion and desire, with a holy desire to serve Jesus until You come again. For we have the blessed assurance of the Son of God who lived and died and rose again to give us eternal life. Please, Lord, help us today. Please help me to recall. Please help me to think clearly. Please help all of us to take in the Word of God that is inerrant, inspired, infallible. It is Your Word. Please help us this day. We call upon You. We need You. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Apathy is uh, kind of a... Strange word, but you all understand when I say that. We all tend to be apathetic at times, this sort of carefree and, you know, all humdrum and this is going to happen. And, well, it's the same thing. And, you know, maybe when you're in school, I I read this story this week about uh, a uh, teacher that was in the class and all of the kids were just kind of yawning and playing around and doodling. And, of course, I know none of you ever did that in school. You always paid attention to everything. But uh, all of the children are there, just kind of laid back, kicked back, yawning, playing around. The uh, professor in the class gets upset, he gets angry, and so he turns around and he writes on the board in huge capital letters, APATHY. And one of the kids is looking at the board, and as the professor is writing it up there, he's trying to pronounce the word, and he is uh, mispronouncing the word at that, and he leans over to his friend and says, what is uh, apanathy? What is apanathy? And uh, his friend yawns real big and says, who cares? (laughs) Well, that, my friends, is pretty much the definition of apathy. We get this place in our life where everything just kind of seems the same way and it's been the same way, it's going to be that way. And You know, when we find ourselves in the book of Ecclesiastes, whether it's Solomon or whether it's another king that's writing, I don't worry about all of that. I I, I think that probably this center section is moving towards Solomon. But I think that Solomon, whoever is writing here, is saying to all of us, he's saying, look, I, I want you to understand that I'm going to put on the hat of a scientist, I'm going to put on the hat of a historian, and I'm going to put on the hat of a philosopher and in this passage I'm going to show you that all of the world you can just be apathetic because all of the world it never changes nothing's ever new and no one really cares and we're looking at a passage like that because I know that there are some of you that have joined me in your heart and at some place in your life you've, you've kind of sat down and cried and said is any of this worth anything? Is this just the same way it's always been and the same way it will be? Nobody remembers and nobody cares and nobody will pay attention into the future. And then we want to wrap all of that around a Christocentric or a Christ-centered understanding of Scripture and see how when we live life with God, there is meaning and purpose and grace and mercy. And when we live life apart from God, there is meaninglessness and absurdity and vanity 
in all that we do. So, first of all, in these first few verses, would you look with me at what Solomon the scientist has to say? Look what he says in verse number 4. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. You see, he begins with the earth here. These next few verses, he'll go from earth uh, to, um, I think, earth to the sun, to the wind, to the water. And so just watch what he says here from nature. You can learn that a generation comes and a generation goes, but the earth is still here. The ball is still turning. It is still going. And no matter who you are or what you've done or how much money you have or what you own or how much fame you have, one day you'll die and the world keeps turning. Right? The world keeps going. Then look what he says in verse number 5. Also, just look at the sun. The sun rises and the sun sets and hastening to its place, it rises there again. He says, look, you can look at the big ball that you live on and realize that generations of people come and generations of people go, but the earth remains. It just kind of stays. This is the way things are and the way it always will be. You can look up to the sky and see the sun and the sun rises today and it sets in the evening time and guess what will happen tomorrow? The same thing. And sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes that's a bad thing. I remember in the movie Castaway, Tom Hanks gets back after all of these things have happened to him and he realizes that his wife is remarried and one of his friends says to him, what are you going to do now after all of these years and all of this loss and now your wife is remarried? And Tom Hanks says, well, tomorrow I'm going to get up and put one foot in front of the other. The sun will rise tomorrow. There are times in our life where that's a good thing, but there are also times in our life where it just seems like, you know what, every day's the same say, you know, the same day. It's just the same day, different events. And the preacher here, or Solomon, he looks up and he says, look, the earth remains the same and the sun shows you that nothing ever changes. You're going to that same dead-end job. You're living that same way and the sun rises and the sun sets and it's just the same thing. Look what he says about the wind blowing toward the south and turning toward the north, the wind continues swirling along. So if the sun rises in the east and sets in the west and everything remains the same, the patterns of the wind, whether they run north and south, it's still the same. Sure, there's hurricanes. Sure, there are tornadoes. Sure, there's the El Nino effect. Sure, there are all kinds of storms that come. But you know what? There are storms that come and go and come and go. We had a flood this last week just down in this area. And you know what? It's tough and people have lost some business and homes have been underwater. But you know what? Six years from now, it'll just keep on happening. You'll repair. I saw it on our Facebook account. We've had some people that had some flooding. And you know what? One of the people that had flooding, they had the same thing happen back in November. And isn't that the way that it is? The wind goes and goes and goes. And sometimes it feels like it changes, but the wind stays the same. The earth shows us that the world doesn't change. The sun shows us that the world doesn't change. The winds show us that the earth doesn't change. And what does it say there lastly in the text? And the rivers. The rivers. They run down into the sea, but guess what? They just keep on rolling. Remember that old country song? I'm just like a river that keeps on rolling and never gets to the sea. Well, if you don't like country music, you might not know that. Hey, friends, that's a pretty apathetic way to look at life, isn't it? Can I just pause for a moment and say that if you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and not only a saving relationship, but I mean if you don't have an interactive, ongoing, everyday, get up and walk with Jesus kind of relationship in your life, that is the kind of existence that you're doomed to. 
You may have pursuits and passions. You may want money. You might want all of it. But you can look to the scientific nature of the world around you and realize that after you have gotten everything that you wanted in life, you still die and the world still keeps going. And that's a pretty harsh circular system. But for the believer, you understand that we live in a system that not only the sun rises and sets, but the Bible teaches that while Joshua was fighting the battle, God made the sun stand still. And there are still times where the God of all of the universe, the transcendent King of glory, steps into time and where the circular system of our lives continues to go, God steps in and performs miracles and does wonders and glory and majesty. And what is it the Bible says that when Jesus was on the boat asleep in the hall of the boat, they said, Master, do you not care that we perish? And Jesus stands up, the Son of God on the bow of the boat, and says to the winds and the waves, Be still! And they listen to the voice of God. Amen? He makes the sun stand still. He makes the wind cease. I believe that it is the God in the Old Testament that when Moses brings the children of Israel out of Egypt and they come to the Red Sea and now they are bickering and fighting and arguing and saying, wish to God we would have died back in Egypt that God says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And that night, yes, a miracle of all miracles, God rolls back the Red Sea so that they march across on dry ground. And then the enemy comes in and God crushes all of the enemy with the water. That's the God you serve. That's the God that is the God of this church. I am telling all of the people in this church with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my passion, look at what this man writes and say to yourself, I will not live an apathetic life. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I can live for Him. Get up and live for Jesus. Stop yawning in your Christian life. Stop floating by thinking that there are years that have gone by of good service and now there are no vacations in the Christian life. There is no retirement to the Christian life until you draw your last breath. Serve Jesus with everything. Now oh, the scientist Solomon says the world's a circular system. And Christ says in, steps in and says, it is not. I rule the world and I'll work on your behalf as well. Well, let me move quickly. The next set of verses, he moves from the hat of the scientist probably to the hat of the historian. Look here if you would at verse number 8. All things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. Can I just pause and give a little premature application here? Is that not true? I mean, isn't that really true of our lives? Our eyes are not satisfied with what we see, and our ears are not satisfied with what we hear, and for uh, some of us, me included, our stomachs are not satisfied with what we eat. Amen? Not only do I want the Papa John's pizza with 14 kinds of meat, I want the garlic gnats to go along with it. Amen? Come on now, y'all don't leave me hanging here. You know you love that Papa John's garlic knots, not gnats, knots. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Really? 
I watched this show on the Food Network. My father-in-law, my father and mother-in-law are visiting. We were watching that show on the Food Network. It was like ginormous food where they got like a 12-pound hamburger or a, you know, a 9-pound burrito. And Come on. And you know that's exactly where you, you, your, your eyes are never satisfied and your ears are never satisfied. And I know this, uh, I know this, is, uh, this is probably a dated illustration for some of my people in this room, mainly in this section. But back in the day, some of my 80s and 90s folks remember putting the boombox up on your shoulders. Huh? You know about that Slick Rick and the Sugar Hill Gang? That's right. You know about putting that boombox up there? And you were always angry when your buddy got the next biggest one. What about, what about, you know, I mean, what about the guys, the guys and the gals that you ever pull up to a stoplight and your windows are going, you know what I mean? I promise you, I promise you, if you stop that sister in the Kroger's parking lot and say, would you like one more tweeter or four more woofers? She'd say, give them to me, I'll install them. Right? That's the way we are. Come on now. That's the way we are. Look at verse number 9. Uh, that which has been from the beginning, which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Now, you know, for my older generation that's in here, all of you say amen. We, we know that, right? But you know, there, there's uh, a younger generation in here who say, well, hey, listen, cutting edge, state of the art, iPhone 4, iPhone 5, iPhone 6, iPhone 7, iPhone 8, it'll, it'll, it'll never stop. I mean, look, there's always something new. It's innovative. We're watching the television uh, just the other night, and they got these little robots that will vacuum your house. Like, you just push go, and it vacuums. Y'all seen that? Y'all seen the commercials for that? It just vacuums your house for you. That's new under the sun. No, it's not. That's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about the methods. He's talking about the principles. Methods always change and principles stay the same. But whether it is 2017 or whether it's 500 years ago, the principle never changes. There's nothing new under the sun. People have always been seeking for something new and never able to come across it. And isn't there an industry out somewhere in California, Hollywood, that makes an entire industry and billions of dollars based upon the fact that you're always looking for something new and never able to find it. Why do you think they make sequels and prequels and Rocky 17? Why do you think they do that? Because if they can make one new movie, one new idea... And they just keep you coming and keep you coming and keep it, but it never satisfies. You always want to go to the next movie. It's the same way in sports. When you win the Super Bowl or you win a championship, it is not everything. I should look up what Tom Brady had to say about winning all of his Super Bowls and what lies next after that. Alexander the Great conquered the world at the age of 32 or 33, and he sat down and wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. And you'll find in your life, whether you're an Alexander the Great, Tom Brady, or just an everyday average Joe, that there will never be anything new. And you'll strive and go for it and go for it and go for it, and you'll always end up catching smoke. 
And some of you know that from your jobs and your relationships and your toys and your bank accounts. You work all your life thinking that if you can just get enough in retirement, you'll be happy enough and then you're going to get there and find out you wasted your life. I don't think the author here would say don't save, don't be prudent, don't be wise, don't be a good steward, save your money. But if you think that that 401k at the end of your life will satisfy you, you have severely mistaken. H.A. Ironside, the old preacher, he used to say, anything that's true is not new, and anything that's new is not true. <laughs> My wife and I laugh a little bit. I can't say. We, we, we were talking one day about an organization that we know, and uh, the, the organization, Christian organization, they, they, they were all pumped up at their literature and all this kind of stuff. And basically, it was kind of like they ran out to everybody, these pastors. It was kind of like they ran out and they said, look, we've got a new idea for how to build the church, see people saved, and watch the kingdom of God grow. And I mean, we were like, yes, what is it? We need it. We're going to disciple people. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We're going to disciple them. We're going to, I mean, we're going we're gonna to get them converted. We're going to preach the gospel to them. Then we're going to walk side by side. We're going to disciple people. And, you know, you, the steam just gets let out of the bag. And you're like, y'all ever have those vegetables that are in the frozen section? Y'all know that. You, everybody knows them. If you have them, you know what I'm talking about. The ones you can put in the microwave that, that are in the steam bag. And I put it in there five and a half minutes. But, it, and you, but for like four minutes and 20 seconds, it's just like this. The last 20 seconds, boom, it's like this. And every once in a while, they're not built correctly, and out goes all the steam. That's exactly what it was. What are you talking about, discipleship? We've been doing that for decades. In fact, if I recall correctly, somebody named Jesus in Matthew 28 said, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, right? I'm pretty sure that plan has been around for a while. Come on, y'all know, know exactly what I'm talking about. There's, there's, really, there's really nothing new out there. New methods. Not new ideas. I just want to say to us all, let me, hey, if you're in here, I don't know if everybody can hear me today. You know, my voice is a little rough right now, but will you just hear me for a second? Whether you're saved or lost, maybe you don't even like that language. Maybe you're a believer or you're a skeptic. I just want to say to everybody in the room, you don't even have to be a believer. I just want to say to everybody in the room today, what we believe according to the scripture is that the only one in the world that can give you anything that's genuinely new is Jesus. And the, what, what we'll look in in a few weeks, Ecclesiastes chapter number 3 tells us, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, the author says, God has put eternity in our hearts. And so in every human being's heart, whether you're lost or saved, critic or not, doesn't matter who you are, there's something inside of your heart that cries out for more. You want more than a bottle can provide you. You want more than money, more than relationship. You want more. That's because deep within your heart, it has been woven into the very fabric and DNA of your life that eternity is inside and the only one who can satisfy is the one who gives eternal life. And that is Jesus Christ alone. 2 Corinthians 5.17 The old things have been passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Why? Because He has made us new creatures in Christ. Psalm 40 and verse number 3, once He has made us new creatures in Christ, we can sing a new song. Romans chapter number 6, once we become new creatures and given a new song, Romans chapter 6, we walk in a new and a living way. 
Revelation chapter number 20, and one day He will make a new heavens and a new earth. And the references go on and on. If you really want something new that lasts, try Jesus. And I say that to you whether you're lost or saved, in or out. Come humbly to Jesus. Now when I say try Jesus, I don't mean try Him like you do a new stick of bubble gum. Right? Or, or like you're at the buffet line at Golden Corral. I'll take a little of that and not that. You come on your knees and you say, I, I need something different than what I've tried all my life. And if you'll humbly lay down the weapons of your pride and arrogance and say, Jesus, will you, will you take me? He will. And He'll change you from the inside out. And He'll give you what your heart longs for. True redemption. In fact, do you know what the Bible teaches? He'll take out the old stone heart that you have and He'll put in a new soft heart. Well, let me finish this text up. Uh, Solomon moves here from the hat of the uh, scientist and the hat of the historian. And then uh, I think probably verse number, um, verse number 12 down to the end, I would say probably the hat of the philosopher. Notice with me here, let's do a little word study, okay? Verse number 12, I the preacher, right? So this is the first time in the uh, book that he moves to first person. So the first 11 verses of chapter number 1 are third person. Alright, remember I told you last week that's the sculptor of the book. The last six verses of chapter 12 will go back to third person. So everything in the middle now is first person. So he says here, I the preacher or Kohelet, right, this gatherer, this one who is, is looking for people, I the preacher have been king over Israel in Jerusalem and I set my mind, now watch these two words, to seek and explore. Two interesting words. In fact, if you're writing maybe a modern day translation, you might want to say this is the R and D. The words here are research and development. When he says here uh, to seek, it means to uh, dive deep, uh, to look into a matter, to study it intellectually. In fact, they say of philosophers that they uh, go down deeper and stay down longer and come up drier than just about anybody else, right? And that's what he's doing here. He's saying, look, he says, intellectually, I am plumbing the depths of all of this wisdom and worldly wisdom and knowledge. And whatever the world has to offer, I'm going to study it in the books. But not only is he going to study in the books and be a wise man when it comes to intelligence, but he's also going to actually develop it and explore it and experience it in his life. So he says here, to seek and to explore by wisdom concerning all that has been done under the heavens. This is not a godly wisdom. This is a worldly kind of wisdom. And here's what he's saying. I've not only read everything about everything in the world, I've gone out and experienced it. And here's what I'm going to tell you about it. Look, all that has been done under heaven, it is a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with it. Look at the end of verse number 4. 14, all is vanity and striving after wind. It means to chase after it. What is crooked cannot be made straight and what is lacking cannot be counted. Look at the end of verse number 17 while I read that. And I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I realized that this also is striving after wind. Three times in this set of verses, 
The author says from the philosophical point of view, I have done all of the study and I have lived all of it. You know, kind of that old phrase, I've been there, done that, and I got the t-shirt. Right? I've been there, I've done that, and I'm telling you that all of that is vanity and meaningless if it's done apart from God. I was talking with somebody uh, before the service today, and I, I don't know, any, I'm trying to think of a good way to illustrate this for you. Would you all just... We, we have such an individualistic spirit in America. And all right, you know what? I'm not going to pay attention. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to find out. I don't care what that guy says. I'm going to find out about it. And all of us have been there, you know, you have those teenage years and you're young adults, and you know what? There's even some men in this room. Maybe you're going through a, some sort of midlife crisis and you just feel like you want to live your own way and watch whatever you want to watch on your TV screens and on your computer screens and look at other women and dabble in other relationships. And I just want to say something to you. You can go down that road, but it doesn't mean that you'll come back from it. Why would you try and go down all of those roads when you might not come back from it? Why wouldn't you pay attention to somebody that has been there and done that and he's come back and he said, all of it's meaningless. Look at the road signs. The bridge is out ahead. I, I don't know, I was trying to think of the best way. Of who? Forgive me, I don't mean to call names. I don't know his position, but I was thinking about somebody in pop culture like Jay-Z. He's a very smart, intelligent man. He's done, read a ton. Very intellectual. And at the same time, he's at the height of pop culture. And he's experienced probably just about everything anybody in this room has experienced and probably a bazillion times more than all of us, right? And some of the people are like, Jay who? Right. Let's Google it when you get home. Oh, you wouldn't Google it. Uh, trust me. Right. Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra, he did it his way, right? The Rat Pack, all right? That helps some of you. The Rat Pack, they lived it up. They were smart. They were talented. They lived it up. They had a great time in life. But I'm telling you, down the end of that road is nothing but heartache and pain and chasing after something you can't get. Meaning, purpose, eternity in your heart. I remember I used to watch, when I was younger, I used to watch all those VH1 specials, you know, about the behind the scenes of every band that's ever been, you know, Led Zeppelin, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Journey, all these people. And it, the, the stories are all the same. They start out, they have this meteoric rise, then they all get on drugs, somebody dies, they go down for a while, and then they make some sort of rock ballad and everything's okay. Give or take a few hours, that's basically how it goes. Well, I, what I want you to understand is, those of you that are right on the border of saying, I don't want to pay attention, I'm going to live it my way. I want you to understand that not everybody comes back to tell those stories. And in fact, even the people do have damaged and destroyed multiple relationships in their life and they've hurt their children and they've hurt their spouses and they've hurt and left wreckage and carnage all the way through their life. And I'm telling you, you're reading a book about a man who says, look, I'm looking to you and talking to you from a scientist and a historian and a philosopher, and if you live life without God, it'll be meaningless and destruction. You say, Steve, how do I find meaning in life? You start at the crossroads of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul 
and said, I would know nothing among you except for Christ and Him crucified. The Bible says that the preaching or the message of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us which believe it is the power of God to salvation. Not many wise, not many rich, but those who will bow their knee before Jesus Christ will find everlasting meaning in life, will find joy and peace and righteousness, not in their own ability, because they have handed their life over to Jesus Christ. And I say to you, lost and saved alike, find your meaning and purpose in Jesus Christ today. Surrender your life to Him. Those things that you're trusting in, like a puff of smoke, you'll reach out and grab them, and it'll be gone. I have a really good friend of mine, really good friend of mine. And when the market crashed in 2009, she was devastated. She had spent a lifetime preparing for retirement. And it was gone like that. And some of you are banking on money or friends or relationship or religion. And one day, just like that, it'll be gone. And when you stand before the King of Eternity, what will you say? I hope what you'll say is blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Amen? Let's not be apathetic. We have a great Savior. We have a meaningful life. Let's get out of this place and live for Jesus. Take the sin that is in your life, cast it out, ask for the Spirit of God to give you victory, then get up tomorrow, love Jesus and love your neighbor and tell people about Him. Amen? Let's do that. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for a minute? I want to ask the band if they, everybody will just come back. I think a great way to end the service today in a moment or two. We'll all just stand and sing a couple of verses of Blessed Assurance and somebody will pray for us. But right where you are, as they're coming, with nobody looking around, would you just pray right where you are for a moment? Hey, look, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, but something that I've said has been stirring in your heart, you say, man, my life is a bit meaningless. I want to urge you right now, turn from yourself and your sin and cast yourself on Jesus. You don't have to be a prayer warrior. You don't even have to know how to pray. Just silently in your heart say, Jesus, I give you my life. Please save me. You do that from a humble and a sincere heart. He'll save you right now. And this church will help walk beside you. And there's others of us in this room. And you know there's areas of your life where you are holding on to something that you probably shouldn't be. Maybe some fear has gripped your life. Maybe you're so overly concerned with what somebody thinks rather than pleasing Jesus. Why don't you lay down everything that's in your life right now and put Jesus first? Would you do that? You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.